Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Hey. And today we're still hitting the books, talking about The Devil in Silver, a novel by Victor Laval. Yes, sir. And this is uh, the the third book by by Mr. Laval that we've covered on the channel. That is true. It actually also might be the third book he's written. It's a 2012 copyright. Ah, well, it, at that point it might have been. Well, yeah, unless there's like some weird time travel involved. There's always weird time travel involved. We just don't so, know it. So, yeah, uh, I, it's weird because I kind of thought that this book was um, a little bit more recent than it actually was. Um, and I don't know why I thought that. Um, it's it's strange because if you, I was at, I have an e copy of this book, right? And I was at Barnes and Nobles last week, mm-hmm. and I was cruising through the horror section, and they had a copy of this, so that kind of reinforced my thought that it was more recent uh, because Barnes and Nobles, not the greatest bookseller in the world. <laughs> Right, so right. It's kind of surprising to have an older book by um, a an author who is not a household name. Mm, I suppose, but you especially know. a genre author. The only other book that I have actually seen physically of Victor's in a in like a bookstore was Big Machine, mm-hmm. um, which was in a local bookstore. Cambridge. Right, right. My my physical copy of this book actually has by the author of Big Machine on right. on the on the cover. So maybe oh, it's Changeling. A, and Changeling was definitely in Barnes and Nobles when it was new, which was what like a couple of years ago. Because mm. that's the second one we have was the change was changed. Right. Well, I like Victor Laval. As, a, as an author, I think he kind of is a he's a good Gen X voice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you know, you don't get a lot of those. He, his his cultural references hit all the right buttons for me because I am pretty solid Gen X. So the. The bands he mentions are bands I grew up with, as opposed to bands that I liked, but really my parents grew up with. Mm-hmm. Right now, let's uh, let's let's try this as an experiment. Give me a one sentence description of this book. It is a um, it's a horror novel set in a mental facility that takes great pains not to be uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm-hmm. Okay. It references one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> it, I, it does. And it does it on purpose. And when it references one flew over the cuckoo's nest, it explicitly says that book is not about us. <laughs> right. Right. Now, now my one sentence description of this book actually is, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, mashed up with Bubba Hotep. I, I guess I can see that. 
the problem I have with that is he specifically says, now I've never read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I've seen it, and I know that the actual book, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, is like a mile away mm-hmm. from the uh, movie uh, to the point where Ken Kesey refused to see it. Right. So um, I'm going to take it on faith that the that the book is as Mr. Laval describes it. It is about a sane person who is in an insane asylum, and the book is about the sane people coping. Mm-hmm. Whereas this book is pretty much about fucked up people. <laughs> yeah, and and the the title of the book, "The Devil in Silver," is actually a or is it? Yeah, "The Devil in Silver" is a reference to that. Uh, which is explained in the text of the book, and I don't want to go into that because it's kind of a spoiler. Right, it is kind of a spoiler, but, you know, hey, points for uh, referencing the title in the text. Well, you kind of have to do that. Well, in in this case, yes, but, you know, you don't always have to reference the title directly like that. You don't, they say the title is dialogue. Yes. Yes. Which, that's that's bonus points. Right. So, without giving that explanation, because it is cool, and it does kind of um, give away the plot, so to speak, Mm -hmm. later on in the book. Um, I think it does take great pains to say that this has nothing to do with one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But people are going to make that assumption Mm -hmm. because in your frame of reference... How many things do you know of that are set in a relatively realistic uh, mental institution? Cuckoo's Nest and Girl Interrupted. Yeah, exactly. So I think he, he specifically references it and says it's not that because that's going to be a cultural touchstone that mm-hmm. people are going to automatically um, try and compare this to. Right, right. And he basically is saying that's not this. Right. Now, there is the the latter half of my comparison, uh, Bubba Hotep. I don't know if you've seen that film or not. I have seen Bubba Hotep. And the the vibe going on there is is very similar in, in that um, it does feel more like a retirement home than an asylum at times. Maybe, but I think that's just because these are people who are actually crazy and or have issues, we'll say have issues, um, who are there for life. I don't know. So if if, if you ask me, the people with the issues there. or the staff. Uh, well, why not both? <laughs> I, I don't think that you have a situation like that where you have, oh, well, one is right and one is wrong. You know, I think you actually do have people with mental problems. You just happen to have a system that doesn't care. But that doesn't take away from the fact that they don't have mental problems. And the real tragedy is that they're not getting care that actually helps. So, yeah, they're they're going to be... Um, cast aside and he does take great plain great pains to uh show this aspect of 
of life on the ward as well. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that like, yeah, it's a wrong or anything, but I don't think that makes the people who are there any less in need of help. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's probably just the perspective of the thing, you know, being the inside, the inside looking out, I guess kind of uh, nature of the book as as our main protagonist, a gentleman named Pepper, um, is an inmate. Right. So the, the basic plot he, of this he's, thing he's kind of he's kind of both an outside looking in and an inside looking out uh, well, he, kind he's of perspective. Your point of view character who allows you to answer questions as he goes through things. Mm-hmm. So he is in transition. Which is interesting. It's a point I want to bring up later um, about about the liminal quality of of Pepper and and other Victor Laval uh, protagonists. But the, but the basic situation here is Pepper um, is a, a bit of a um, has a bit of a temper on him and assaulted uh, a, some cops. Uh, while he was trying to defend the honor of a girl he liked mm-hmm. who didn't ask for his help. Right. So he's kind of a meathead. And the, the police decide that um, instead of dealing with the paperwork uh, of having to, um, you know, put this guy through the, the system of arrest and incarceration, they drop him off at at um this facility for for um people with mental problems um for the 72 hour um involuntary uh, um admittance program right well it was the end of the shift and the city's not paying overtime right yeah so i mean like they'd rather not deal with the paperwork and the consequences so they just drop them off and then he's somebody else's problem while in there, interacting with the uh, the people who, who are there uh, through a series of, I guess, revelations that he, you come to find out that Pepper is a tad delusional himself, mm-hmm. um, a bit narcissistic, um, and ends up in their long-term care. Right, right. Through some uh, bureaucratic loopholes, bureaucracy is the monster in this book. It's <laughs> uh, definitely one of them. So, and, and you, you get the um, you, there's an ongoing question um, that Pepper himself feels, and you as a reader feel is: Is Pepper actually um, crazy enough to be admitted to this place, or uh, is he a victim of the system? Now, there's a monster stalking the inmates of this facility. They call it the devil. It kills patients. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you take this. This is where the Bubba Hotep kind of comes in. Yeah. So you, you take the situation when you have a bunch of people who are not in their right mind and you add this uncaring bureaucracy with incompetent doctors, tired nurses, um, and you add into that mix oh, and heavy, heavy medication. You add into that mix uh, a killer 
that people actually see mm. a monster coming in from the drop ceiling right and attacking patients in their rooms and for all intents and purposes it looks like the staff is protecting this monster you have the basic idea of, of this this book indeed and really we don't want to spoil it because it is a it is a rather tasty little book um so really i mean plot wise we can't really talk about too much more there uh i personally would like to reference the narration style in that uh the entire thing tell it reads as if uh uncle victor is telling us a story on the stoop yeah victor laval definitely has a uh a nice and um, easy uh, cadence to his his work, mm-hmm. the written word. Um, it's not it's not a chore or anything, and he, it it does appear like he is um, a rock cantor of some sort. Yeah, it's it's a lot different than say Black Tom or or the, even the Changeling as far as narration style. Um, in in that you know the the narrator is is telling the story um in such a way it references things that you know it's the omnipotent narrator somebody who's you know gathered this story after the fact and also references you know the reader um as if you know like i said we're sitting around and uncle vic's telling us a story let me let me tell you about the man named pepper don't don't make Richard Lavelle sound like like fucking Mil- Wesley. <laughs> and also, I, I would say in even in comparison to to the Changeling, which is the the last Lavelle book that uh, we read for the show, a little bit more of Lavelle's sense of humor creeps in and there are points in this book that read almost like a black comedy um one of the other reasons why i reference bubba hotep in that there there are just points where both the dial the, the snappiness of the dialogue as the characters are interacting with each other and and just the way the narration handles some of these ridiculous things. Yeah, you know, I, I found myself I found myself laughing probably a lot more than I was supposed to. <laughs> well there definitely are some funny moments uh, in this. We can't deny that. Um, funny things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Characters when, uh, are funny. Yeah, I mean, they, you can't expect everyone to be dour all the time. Well, true, true. But um, uh, it just seems like there's a certain tongue-in-cheekedness of it that that uh, I think contributes to some of the uh, back cover blurbs uh, not being too willing to place it in any particular genre. And I think uh, well, the tone, I mean, 
I, I do think the tone kind of helps with that. Rolling my eyes. Rolling your eyes. <laughs> Rolling my back cover blurbs. Don't want to place in any particular genre. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, they want to sell the book, so that's yeah, why they picked the burbs. So, um, when you bought it off Amazon, I'm assuming? Yes. What was it categorized in Amazon? I did not pay attention because I knew the title, and I went right after that. And Okay. So, when I was in Barnes & Noble, it was smack dab in horror. Mm-hmm. The little horror section they have there. I did not know there there was a horror section in Barnes and Noble. That tells you how long it's been since I've been in a Barnes and Noble. Well, there isn't the one that that I go to. There's a horror section. Hmm. If I ever decide to leave the house again, I'll I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I do I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, like I said, I laughed a lot more than I probably should have, and. Yeah, it just is. It keeps you engaged with what's going on. There was one moment that that went into the bizarre uh, toward the end of the book um, that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. But you know, it was one of those things you just go with it. Okay. Uh, and Which that was. would be that would that would be the uh, the the rat story. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a little weird, but um, it wasn't. It, it threw it threw me off a little bit because it was really kind of a dramatic shift in uh, in perspective. Even though that little rat was a fucking asshole, <laughs> <laughs> the rat may have been an asshole, but the rat was also trying to uh, better itself. Mm-hmm. All right, so now here's a couple of bits of of oddness that you may have missed. Okay. I cannot blame you for having missed. So, the character Lucci. Mm-hmm. Lucci appears in a novella by Victor Lavelle, which was written, um, I want to say it was written after uh, The Devil in Silver, but it was published around the same time. Um, called Lucretia and the Croons, which tells the story of a young Lucci um, and how she went off the deep end. Um, I read this a while ago, so the details of it are are kind of sparse, but it's really good. Uh, if you get a chance, um, check it out. It's like a seventy-page ebook. Yeah, I might have to. I might have to because Lucci was one of my favorites. All right. Also. At the end of the book, um, you have a new uh, a, a new character that's being admitted onto the ward, and um, I'm not going to go into any details beyond that. There's a new character being admitted onto the ward. That is the main character from a book I have not read called The Aesthetic, uh, which was written prior. To, that might have been his first published novel. Okay. Uh, that was released in 2003. So so it's kind of like uh, Victor Laval. Don't characters. even say, don't say Marvel. I was not going to say Marvel. I was going to say the Victor Laval literary universe. Yeah, well, you know, same fucking difference. A shared universe of characters. 
Yes. So it, it's it's. I guess that that Vigil Laval was trying to set all of his, or is trying to set his um, his original stories in a world of their own, mm-hmm. which is is pretty cool. And he, and once again, he doesn't do it. Um, uh, very um, haphazardly, I guess it, it's done very well. Like uh, you don't have to have read um, Lucretia and the Croons, right? To to get anything out of this book, it's its own thing. You don't had didn't have to read the Victor Laval expanded universe to get the last movie made. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but it's still kind of cool to have. It's cool, you know. They, but they, it's not the characters necessary. cross each other's paths, you know. But it's not like, you know, this pet crossing of paths. It's an Easter egg of sorts, like how you noticed it. Um, but like, right? I didn't. But it has I'm not missing anything the, by exactly. not having. Exactly. There's no um, army of star destroyers coming from a black hole that you had to have read a thousand different other sources to understand what the fuck was going on. So I'm, I'm giving the golf clap to that. It's a nice attempt at, at creating a, um, a lived in world at world, right. World building without being over the top and, um, needing a PhD in your, in your shitty world to be able to enjoy anything. So thumbs up on that. Now, I know you have read enough Vigil of All to start to um, put together that his antagonist or his protagonists have this liminality about them. Everyone is in transition. Um, uh, you have people going through divorces, people who are going, who are being committed to insane asylums. You have little girls whose best friends are dying. Um, you know, no one comes into these books um, as a whole. Everyone is being transformed um, in the process of it. it. It's not something that the plot um, facilitates. It's something that the plot help. It happens despite the plot. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, well, we'll take Pepper. Pepper was was Pepper before the situation he was thrust into happened. Some shit was going to go down with Pepper, whether or not he was going into the asylum, going to the police. Something was going to go down, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't living a a bland life anyway, right? Shit was going to happen to him, and I think it's one of the reasons I'd like to read Victor Laval's work is because you don't have um, someone who's all of a sudden thrust in a world beyond his control. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist. Yes. There are things going on beyond their control, but no one is thrust there. Okay. I see what you're you, saying. You can, if you had a prequel to, um, to this, right. Mm-hmm. Pepper would still be an interesting character, right? Right. It's not the events. It's the character. So I I guess they all have their own shit to deal with. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that because 
they it, it's referenced the characters reference such a thing uh in 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 the book and that um you know we had the the character of sue telling the story of cheryl crow i believe it was sue um how cheryl crow gave music lessons to brad pitt but didn't right. realize that that was brad pitt and van gogh was vincent before he was van gogh they yes. were kind of like uh, grant morrison before he was grant morrison you know and right. and so pepper was pepper before he became pepper pepper's kind of always pepper though yeah but uh i think i think pepper i, I think the character of dory really kind of uh mentions it as well as you know bringing in kind of the concept of of pepper's destiny not but not necessarily destiny as in you know some kind of invisible hand um that looks remarkably like Victor Laval's uh, guiding him through, but uh, that that place where he becomes kind of fully who he is. And I think this story is the story of Pepper, you know, hitting hitting that groove, you know, that all, almost a comfort zone that's completely discomforting. Well, it's interesting that this is a, a a horror novel, more or less, mm-hmm. and uh, the the devil, the titular devil, has gotten a passing mention um, in this discussion because really, it's so um, tangential to the story, right? And, <laughs> and is, really, any discussion pepper. of the devil. Uh, is is too big of a spoiler. Well, but there's that, but, you know, the actual devil appears maybe three times in the entire book. There's definitely the specter mm-hmm. of the devil hanging over everyone's head. Right, um, and, and and kind of a cameoing in the, the first couple of chapters. But, but, you know, the story is less about that. That's more of a force that drives people's um, thoughts and actions as opposed to, you know, a physical presence, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's the devil and silver is more of a MacGuffin. Right. Than a, you know, than a monster. But, but also all that uh, kind of um, like Dracula. I think we discussed this with Dracula, how Dracula is more of a force in the background than a character. Yeah. All the rest of the events of the book kind of rotate around this uh, gravity well that is the devil. But all of these, all of these characters, um, you know, would be where they are without it. It, right. it drives the action, but it's also kind of apart from everything else. Right, and, and you, you possibly could make the argument that even without the um, th- that force behind them there would be something else that would be a um, like a cultural focus for for their energy mm-hmm. you know so- something else uh, of whether it would be you know uh, the shitty fucking cookies they get right 
Scotch tape. Or, it would definitely be Scotch tape. Or, or you know, um, you know the 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 system for for watching TV. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there'd be a focus that wasn't this, but un- unfortunately for them, or fortunately, you have this uh, this devil that is in the background constantly um, informing what they what they think about and what they do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of a a, a motivation, if you will, kind of a something there that that triggers everything else. I mean, it would be a completely different book, I think, if the devil wasn't there. Well, it would because then it would be called the devil in silver. It would be called half hour TV time or beat <laughs> cookies, right? Or shitty beat cookies. <clears throat> Which I don't know. I, I don't think they were actually beat cookies. I think they were just like stale jammy Dodgers. Yeah, that's kind of what I picked. It. Shortbread cookies with like that that dollop of, I guess it's jelly. <laughs> industrial lubricant <laughs> some sort of adhesive it's, it's reddish <laughs> it, it's E6000 with some uh, hot glue yeah. mixed in and some red paint just to make uh, it look like a jam yeah so it's funny that you have like all sorts of references in in the book to the nature of like what's going on with them. Uh, they read Jaws. Mm-hmm. Jaws is another book where you have like a MacGuffin as a monster. Right. Um, and the rest of it is the people dealing with it and right. their lives. Right. You know, as opposed to like something like Frankenstein, right? Mm-hmm. Where that thing is all, <laughs> it's there and they're actively, you know, trying to put it down. Right. Exactly. But I don't think this book would work as well if it was like, say, a neighborhood or an apartment building. I, I think the, the the confines of of the asylum and the rule, the, the regimen that the characters have to work or kind of work around to do anything is is really what keeps this thing going. Like well, right, and, and you also get a pocket full of unreliable witnesses, right? Because you're in an asylum, right? Mm-hmm. So anyone's you have to take what anybody says with a grain of salt. And Pepper comes to that realization after their quote unquote escape attempt. Mm-hmm. There's there's this point in the book where where the, everyone secretly stop well not everyone but the the main group secretly stops taking their meds right right they, they basically sleight of hand their their meds and uh thanks Lucci. <laughs> and you know they, they all start acting quote unquote normal but as they're doing this pepper kind of realizes that what they think is normal isn't actually normal you're right. You're right. That that that's actually kind of an amusing sequence because because you have them skipping their meds and acting how they believe 
normal. They normal should be acting work. under their medicine, right? The medicine makes them normal. So, okay, well, we'll act normal. And, and Pepper is trying to act like all fucked up. <laughs> right. But then he, he, he realizes that without their meds, everyone is pretty fucked up. And like they're in that asylum because that's where they should be. Right, because they have issues that are that are helped along by chemicals. Right, right. It was it was uh, Pepper's "Good Lord, what have I done?" moment. Yes, yes. So you have a you have this like all all the characters you cannot trust them because you know they're fucked up. They have issues. And, and we're, 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 there's a difference between like insanity, right, mm-hmm. uh, and a chemical imbalances that you know that leads to um, being on a mental ward, right, right. So we're, we're talking about people who are bipolar, who are panic, manically depressed, who are you know suffer from depression, anxiety, uh, narcissistic syndrome combinations of all of these things which are addressed through chemicals right mm-hmm. schizophrenia stuff like that as opposed to you know call of cthulhu i saw a big monster and i'm quote unquote insane right right so i want to i want mean, to eat hamburgers with dish soap on them right i mean you gotta even like think does that kind of quote unquote insanity actually exist in the real world I, I yeah, what as is presented in that particular as a function of that game? No, as oh. as like are is there actual like I guess like um you know even like you know being psychotic right mm-hmm. like clinically psychotic which you would consider insane is a chemical imbalance that can be treated through you know drugs right balancing of chemicals right. So, I mean, is there actual uh, things such as insanity, you know, incurable insanity, when you think of insanity as opposed to the reality of its, of you know mental health problems? Hmm. Or is that like some social construct that we like made from playing too many fucking games and watching too much stupid television? Is this a rhetorical question, or do you want me to? It is a rhetorical answer? question. Okay, good. I don't have an answer for that. Oh, good. I don't know. I, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or even a social worker. Well, I couldn't tell you. But uh, it just seems like the more uh, I read like stuff like this, the less I'm convinced that there's like an actual thing. I guess maybe if you like you overdose on like LSD or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Even that's a chemical imbalance, but right. I mean, I would think that that's more like an acid trip is more akin to insanity than anything else that actually exists as a uh, as a clinical diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's lots of lots of things that uh, we probably consider to be quote unquote positive experiences. Um. Well, let's. You, you bring that up. Let's. Uh, I'll mention uh, Augustine uh, in the desert. Uh, you know, he's supposedly had a great religious experience and a revelation 
on his travels. And that's been attributed to anything from a psychotic break to uh, ingesting the wrong kind of mushrooms or the right kind of mushrooms, depending on who you are. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's there's a lot there's there's a lot of the human experience, I guess you could say, that could easily fall under that that category of insanity or just madness. Right. I, I just it it's just an interesting side note. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's definitely worth worth thinking about. Yeah, and if you have a knowledge of this or an opinion, please contact us, Microphones of Madness, and At, uh, tell us how dumb we are, or not. I mean, At we're G- not out here. We're not out here trying to like profess that we're that our opinions are as good as a doctor, and this is how you should actually look at any of this shit. That is true. Seriously, just from a like a, a game, <laughs> a gaming slash literature perspective. Right. Not not a oh well they said there's no such thing as insanity, so I'm taking all the fucking mushrooms I can find. Um please please indulge in psychedelic experience responsibly. Yeah, I, I actually knew a guy back in college who took too much acid and it wasn't pretty. If you say he he's uh now thinking he's an orange saying don't peel me. No, 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 no. Okay, he good. like, he like has, um, he his whole entire personality changed. A, hmm. uh, but he had like severe like cognitive problems, and who knows? You know, it could have been. I mean, we all thought it was because he he took too much acid, but it could also have been that like he took acid and had pre existing condition mm-hmm. that that was triggered by that. Yes. So. Either way, it exacerbated know, an existing, possibly buried. Right. So, just saying that, uh, you know, if you're going to do shit like that, do it responsibly. Right. Exactly. And I don't know how to do that responsibly, so just don't do it. <laughs> I'm not at liberty to discuss that, as technically those substances are illegal. <laughs> That's also true. Don't do drugs, kids. But that would be illegal. <laughs> Unless you live in, in Massachusetts or Colorado or, and smoke all the pot you want. Or any of the 16 other states. But there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone who is something else than a lady or a gentleman. Right. The Devil in Silver by Victor Laval. Yes. Get a copy. Uh, I I will highly recommend this book. Um, it is one hundred percent enjoyable. It's a pleasure to read. Um, yeah, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll want to not commit crimes, especially in New York City, in Queens. Yes, and with that, go fuck yourselves. Ah, <laughs> uh, you got to come up with something better. Why? If you get it, you get it. If you don't, go fuck yourself. That's right. <laughs>